right. Good morning. Welcome to Northwest. We've got a number of visitors here today. And uh, I'm excited you're here. I'm, I'm excited the members are here too. I think it's going to be a good day. Um, and not just because tonight is the chili cook-off, but also because tonight is the chili cook-off. Um, I don't know what it is. You know, after Christmas, it kind of takes a couple of weeks to get started. But chili cook-off Sunday, you're all here on Sunday morning even. Uh, you're excited. You're ready. you got recipes ready to go. Uh, we're excited for that as well. It's one of my favorite events that we do at Northwest. It's a good time to get to know each other and to, uh, to eat together and to, um, if some of our members bring their hottest chilies, it's a good chance to sweat together, um, just glistening a little bit, so it's a, it's a good event. I'm hopeful that you're all planning to come to that uh, this evening. Um, but you know, today, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how God weaves in our lives and God brings intentionality into our lives. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how uh, God does that by taking the events that, that Satan or the world intend for us as harm, and God reweaves them for us in good. And he works through so many different circumstances in our lives where, where we may think, why am I going through this season of difficulty and this season of suffering? And, and then some years later, we look back on it and we think, oh, that's why I was going through that season of difficulty. It's because God was doing something in me. God was reweaving in my life to produce something good out of what the world intended as harm. And then we talked a couple weeks ago about the story where Moses is at the, at the foot of the burning bush, and, and the bush says to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And, and after several excuses, Moses gets to the point that he says, uh, listen, I, I don't have, I'm not good at talking. You've got to send someone that's better at talking. And God says to him, I made your tongue. I know what you can do. I'm going with you. And we get this idea that if God sends us, then he's going to go with us. And if God calls us to some purpose in our life, he's already given us all the abilities and skills that we need to succeed at that purpose that he's given us. And last week we looked at, uh, at a story that gave an example of someone who used their gifts through song and through writing and through creativity and through going through all sorts of things to, to let the circumstances of their life shape them uh, and how they became a blessing to so many people as a result of that. And so we've really been tracing this theme of being woven into who God desires us to be and that he is from the very beginning the one who knits us together in the secret place before we're even born. And then he also guides us all through our lives to perform his good will and his good works so that the world is blessed as a result of our being willing to let God be in control. But if we think that that is something that happens individually, that it just happens in me and it just happens in you and you've got it going on in your little world and I've got it going on in my little world, then we misunderstand it. You see, God desires for us to be in relationship with one another. God has given me some weaknesses that are for you strengths. And I can live my life with my weaknesses, or I can come alongside you as my brother and sister in Christ, and you can fulfill what I'm lacking, you can build up in me. Yeah. And so that as the two, we become stronger than as the two ones. And we know this is true in, in marriage. When Leah and I first got married 15 years ago, um, I, I kind of desired that in the vows that we would put that I would never have to do laundry. Um, I solemnly swear that I will never do laundry for the rest of our marriage, and as long as you do, I will fulfill all the other requirements of this covenant. Um, 
we didn't do that. And so, uh, but it was, it was pretty much written into our marriage for about five years. Um, several years into our marriage, though, something happened um, that caused a little bit of a, a change to the agreement. You see, things had been going really, really well up to this point. I, w- I vacuumed and did toilets, and I never had to do laundry. And so her weaknesses were my strengths. My strengths were her weaknesses, and, and it was going really, really well. Um, and then uh, we started adding other humans to the house. And suddenly there was this whole new list of responsibilities that I just put on her list, um, and I just kept mine that I had previously had. After a couple months of that, we had a little meeting and decided that we should move some things from one list to the other. And so now I offer this to couples in premarital counseling so that you don't have to have a meeting. We do it in advance. And in marriage, we understand that there are times that your strengths and my weaknesses complement one another and that you'll do things and that I'll do things and that together, because we're working on this as a team, we're better. And then we go to church and we say, my Christian life is my business and your Christian life is your business and your strengths and weaknesses are yours and my strengths and weaknesses are mine. Don't bother me any. Well, guess what? We're missing out on so much of the potential blessing that God has in store for us. God wants to weave our lives together into this beautiful patchwork tapestry. And this isn't, this isn't a new idea. It's not a novel idea. We try and teach it to children, and we have been for decades. One of our earliest attempts to teach children that they need this came in the great uh, Christian um, show, Power Rangers. I don't know if you're familiar with the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but there is a sequence in every episode in all of the different Space Rangers, Power Rangers, Rangers from... I don't remember where all the rangers came from, but there's a sequence in every episode where they're fighting as individuals, and and they're losing. They have huge chest spark explosions. That's how you know they're losing. It's not going well. Why is it not going well? Because they haven't combined all their powers. But at some point in the episode, the monster gets really, really big, and they start working together, and they call on Megazord. And so let's go to the, here comes the Megazord. And all their dinosaur robots rush together and they become Megazord and they win every time. And you would think that at some point they would say, hey, we're going to have to fight a bad guy in this episode. Let's start working together. And we can just have like a four minute video of us destroying a monster in the power suit. But they don't. And you think, well, how stupid. And then you remember that we're that dumb too. That over and over again, I want to deal with my problems in life my way. And so sometimes we end up kind of at the, the, the entry point of a Care Bears episode. And I don't know if you can read the caption. He's in the, in partway through every Care Bears episode, there's a point where a lot of people must have suddenly just stopped caring. And the Care Bears are sad. And things aren't going the way they should. And people are losing hope. And darkness starts to spread over the land. But then they remember When we all work together, we can do a Care Bear stare. And instead of having chest explosions like Power Rangers, they have belly rays of light. And their combined belly rays of light bring happiness and joy back into the world. One belly ray of light does nothing. But when they get in a line, they're they're undefeated. They're undefeated. And you just think to yourself, Why don't you start every episode where you're losing hope and the world is full of darkness with a line of belly rays of light? And they don't. 
and neither do we. And so we need the wisdom of, of the, the planeteers. Remember the planeteers? This is older than some of you. Uh, there's Captain Planet, and Captain Planet's trying to save the world from polluters. And, and, and so you have, what's the villain's name? I don't even remember. Captain Pollution and the eco-villains. That's good writing right there. And the eco-villains would show up and they would be destroying the planet and polluting without any regard for humanity or, or animals or anything. And some of the, the planeteers would come together and they would try and stop the eco-villains. And you know what? They couldn't. Do you know why? Because their powers were not yet combined. But at some point in every episode, they would say, hey, we probably ought to work together. It's probably time for us to, to bring our powers together. And when they would do that, they had these little magic rings. <coughs> they had these little magic rings, and they would yell out their superpower elements. Uh, and what, see, what were they? Earth, wind, fire, water, and heart. And Captain Planet would spring into action. And he would yell, when your powers combine, I am Captain Planet. And from that moment on, the eco-villains got their butts kicked. That's the end of the episode. And you can't help but wonder, why didn't they combine their powers every time at the beginning? And then you remember, because we don't either. We also forget that we need each other. We spend a long time suffering, and we spend a long time struggling, and we uh, live in our weaknesses. Let me go to the next slide. This is super distracting. Okay. <laughs> We live in our own weaknesses by our little lonesomes until the last moment where we think, I just can't stand it anymore. And we go to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we reach out to each other, and we start loving each other through it. We start building each other up. We start helping each other to resist our temptations and struggles that alone are too much for me to bear. But with you, I can get through it. And with me, you can get through it. And we start weaving our lives together in such a way that we think, man, this is incredible. With our brothers and sisters in Christ, I can get through this thing that I was about to lose hope about. And now I'm getting through it. And God looks down and he says, look, I gave you the Power Rangers. Why didn't you learn? I gave you the Care Bears. Why didn't you learn? I gave you Scripture. Why didn't you learn that if you just started out with each other supporting one another through the beginning of this, it wouldn't have been so hard in the first place? But we want the 30-minute episode with two commercial breaks to endure and get through before we start getting our life better by depending on each other. God gives us a gift that we are constantly giving away. God works in our circumstances. You've had circumstances in your life that have given you different experiences. I was talking, Mike, you and I were talking about this the other day. Your life experiences have given you different gifts and abilities and perspectives than mine, haven't I? Because I grew up in a, a different part of town and a different experience and different struggles. Now, I've had struggles, but they're different than yours. Can you bless me with knowing what your circumstances have taught you? Absolutely. Can I bless you? You bet. Do we have each other's back? Yeah. We certainly do. And so we can bring our different circumstances. Guess what? God's weaving in my life different things through circumstances, and your life different things through different circumstances, and we're better together. That's 
God gives me different gifts and abilities than he's given you, but you've got some gifts and abilities, and I mean all of you, that I don't have. And I need you to be the kingdom of God in this world because if it's only me, I'm not enough. But if it's together, God suddenly starts weaving us into the masterpiece that he designed us to be. He designed us to need one another to reach the full potential of being his kingdom, of being his family. And the family is strongest when it is diverse because we get so many different circumstances that are contained in the whole. And they make us richer. And they get different backgrounds and different ideas and different abilities. And we're better with more gifts and with more backgrounds. We're stronger when we complement one another's strengths, and we do it not so that we can become better ourselves, but we do all of it for God's good purpose in the world, to God's glory in the world. There's something to be said for the, the testimony that you can make as an individual to your neighbors, but there's something so much more to be said that a family of people coming together with all the different things that God puts into that family, a church family, going out to the world and saying, look at what God has made us into, and the world notices. It's no surprise that Jesus in his last prayer in John, as he's getting ready to be arrested, is praying and he says, God, let the world know that they are my disciples by their love for one another their unity in the midst of being different, that they'll come together in in the midst of all of the things that the world says should pull them apart. Their unity will be a testament to how much they are my people and they are my disciples. Paul knows this and he writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want to read through some of this, this chapter here because it's got some great teaching on the differences and yet In the midst of the differences, the unity that comes with being a Christian and being part of the church. So Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, and I've got to tell you, if you just read this and you're like, that's a good metaphor, you can get something out of it. I think Paul's almost moving into comedy here. I can't prove it, but if you really visualize what Paul is suggesting here, it's comical. It's comical. And I think that that Paul's okay with the comedy because the way that you and I so often interact with each other is a joke. And he's making fun of it so that we can grow out of the joke into something that's incredibly true and powerful and meaningful that the world needs to see. So here's what he says. He imagines a world where a foot should say, talking foot says, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. I would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? At which point the writers of Monster, Inc. went, ooh, that's an idea. It'll be a little character. His whole body will be an eye. He could see really, really well. Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, 
Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. (coughs) The absurdity of this should strike you. A body that's walking around that's just all legs would look ridiculous. A body that everywhere it had a finger was replaced with an ear would be a pretty funny looking hand. A handful of ears, ears for eyes, ears for your mouth. You can't talk very well if only you got his ears everywhere. Now we would be much better listeners and so maybe some of us need ears for mouths, but it would look weird. If if you had to walk on your hands and had to pick stuff up with your feet, it would look weird. Paul suggests that so often in the church, that's how we behave. Some parts are more valuable than others, and we're jealous for each other's gifts, and we say, I'm not important, I don't need to chip in. I'm just a foot. You put me in the sock and walk all over me all day. I don't like this. But the hand needs the foot. And the foot needs the hand. And together, the, the body works together in all the incredible ways that God created it to, to work. And, and Paul's saying, listen, don't you understand that the church was created in just as much of a beautiful way to work in harmony with one another as your physical body is? And he keeps going. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. What a blessing. What a blessing. blessing. So the goal of, of, of a good sermon is that you would take the sermon and leave and go put it into practice in your life, right? Uh, This morning, we're going to be doing it a little bit differently. We're going to put the sermon in practice in the sermon. We're going to be doing an activity here in just a second uh, that is going to be practicing the kind of one anotherness and working togetherness uh, that I've been talking about. So here's what we're going to do. And don't get up yet, but just kind of I'm going to give you a few instructions. Um, on all of these window sills, there's like 12 uh, pieces of cloth, and there are a couple of Sharpies. Now, there are about as many pieces of cloth as there are of you, but there are not as many Sharpies as there are of you. So what does that mean? You're going to have to share, which is kind of like the church, right? We practice sharing. Now, there's some of you that it's going to be easy for you to get up and separate those pieces and, and pull them apart. Um, now, the middle section doesn't have any squares. So what are you, some of you by the window is going to need to do? Pass them out. And what I want you to do on your square is to take the Sharpie and write your name. Uh, this, is, this is my name on the right here, and this is my wife's name, Kent and Leah. 
And then write your favorite Bible verse. Uh, mine, I put Psalm 121. Leah's is Psalms 138, verse 8. Um, if you're not sure, you can always just go with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Genesis 1, God created all the things. Um, if you need a Bible, there's some that are under the chairs. If you can't remember where your passage came from, ask someone else in the room. Because sometimes we can't remember what we need to get out of the Bible, and we've got to ask our brothers and sisters. And then you're actually going to, these are uh, not-together quilts. And so you, you actually tie them together. They already have the slits cut. Uh, I want you to start tying them and tie them sideways. And if you can get to eight connected, that would be awesome. Uh, tonight at the Chili Cook-Off, we're going to work on connecting them vertically as well. Uh, and these are going to probably hang uh, in the children's ministry stairwells so that our children can be reminded week after week uh, that we're different, but that we are connected to one another, that we have different scriptures that are meaningful to us, but we belong together. And, and if you take one of these little squares by itself, it really is only good for blowing your nose. But if you start connecting them, they become a blanket, they become a quilt, they become a tapestry. And we see that God weaves us together. So some of you may not be good at tying knots. Find someone who can. That's the point of the lesson, right? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Here's just, oh, and you have two, two discussion points. Go to the next slide with the two questions. Two questions. Uh, while you're working on this, there's going to be a little bit of silence to fill and conversation to happen. I want you to share with the people who you're connecting your quilt with uh, these two things. Why is this your favorite Bible verse? And what are gifts God has given you? If you don't know the answer, ask the person you're talking to. Maybe they know what some of your gifts are and kind of work through that together. So with that being said, let's start making a quilt together. Go. There's the lesson here. Uh, I know that we're not going to finish these this morning. Uh, here in a minute when we kind of finish uh, services, uh, bring all of your, your parts that you've got kind of put together and just kind of throw them. Uh, we'll have a box up here on the stage and put all of them in. And uh, we're going to keep working on those. Tonight's the chili cook-off. And so uh, there's going to be several things going on at the chili cook-off tonight. One is going to be eating a lot of chili. Uh, the second one is talking about ways that you can use your gifts to connect to one another in upcoming ministry events. Uh, our family, family ministry is going to let you know about some exciting stuff tonight. Uh, we're going to finish tying our quilt pieces together. And to some of you, this is less important. And to some of you, this is more important. So I need everyone's attention. At the Chili Cook-Off, we are going to not talk about the Dallas Cowboys game. Okay? Some of us are recording. Um, and, and you're just, and if you're watching the game, that's fine. Uh, no facial expressions allowed. Talking to my son, who's in children's worship, he'll get an announcement later uh, privately. We'll have one of our meetings. Uh, so that's what's coming up tonight at the Chili Cook-Off. Don't talk about the Cowboys playoff game. This hasn't come up in recent years, uh, mostly because the Cowboys haven't been playing this late in the year, but here we are. God weaves us together. God makes us better together. God gives some of us more and extra while others have needs. God gives some of us abilities that others lack. And together we come together. And with all of the diversity, the different colors, the different circumstances of our lives, the different uh, gifts. And I talk about the quilt and I'm talking about us at the same time. 
God is making something in us and with us so that the world will know that we are his disciples. Not because we're awesome individuals, because we are an incredible kingdom collective with our lives tied together by the spirit that is in us and among us and binds us to one another so that we all become members of one body even as we have our differences. God desires that we will be a big, beautiful patchwork quilt. But if you don't let him work through your circumstances and if you don't recognize the gifts he's given you, and if you don't open yourself up to the weaving of the one who ties us together, and if you don't allow yourself to be tied and connected to those brothers and sisters around you, then God wishes you could be more. And God desires for you to be more. God intends for you and has designs for you to be more, but you've got to open yourself to him. You've got to let him do the work. Scripture tells us that he does that work when we allow him to come into us by his spirit, the spirit we receive in, his, in our being baptized into Jesus so that we can be saved. And he just works in us and he works through us and he works among us so that we become his quilt and masterpiece in a world that desperately needs to see people working together to be the kingdom of God. If you need to respond to the gospel this morning, Please come forward as we stand and sing. Open my heart to what you know.